This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Hello everyone. I'd like to start in in Matthew chapter 4. If you turn with me there, please. Because this is where we read of Jesus beginning his, his ministry. But what was his message? What did he actually say to people? Well, we get the answer here in verse 17 of Matthew 4. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, two things. The first thing mentioned there was the need to to repent and the second thing was about the kingdom of heaven brought near by the preaching of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God or just the kingdom are really interchangeable phrases. They're really talking about the same thing. And notice it's the kingdom of heaven and not in heaven. It's of heaven because it's of God who dwells in heaven. But the kingdom that Jesus spoke about in his preaching is all about God's plan for the earth. We'll come on to chapter 6 of Matthew, please. The fact that the kingdom of God will be on the earth is emphasised by Jesus Christ teaching his disciples to actually pray for it asking God to bring it about verse 9 after this manner therefore pray ye our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven so Jesus taught his disciples to pray to God that he would set up the kingdom in the earth. This has always been God's intention in creating the earth in the first place, so that ultimately the earth will be a place where God's will is done, as it's now done in heaven by the angels who always do God's will. (coughs) Incidentally, the idea of angelic beings rebelling against God is not a Bible teaching. The Bible sometimes refers to human angels or, or messengers, which is what the word angel means, and they do sometimes sin, but never immortal beings. Come on to Acts chapter 17, please. This is where, after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension to heaven, his immediate followers, the apostles, preached the same message. Here in Acts 17, it's the Apostle Paul preaching to to Gentiles in Greece. He's at Athens. Verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, or in the past God has overlooked mankind's ignorance of him. He, He winked at, he closed his eyes to it. But the verse goes on. Now he commands all men everywhere to repent. There's that word repent again. Why should people repent? The verse goes on. 
because God's appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he's given assurance unto all men and that he's raised him from the dead Jesus is that that man of course but just come back to well we need to go to the Old Testament to Psalm 9 if you turn with me there please because the Apostle Paul is actually quoting a prophecy from this particular psalm here in his speech to the people of Athens so Psalm 9 and we'll look at verse 3 and notice it's all about judgment so verse 3 when mine enemies are turned back they shall fall and perish at thy presence that's the presence of the judge the Lord Jesus Christ verse 5 thou hast rebuked the heathen or the nations thou hast destroyed the wicked thou hast put out their name forever and ever verse 7 but the Lord shall endure forever he hath prepared his throne for judgment and he shall judge the world in righteousness he shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness and that's the bit that Paul was quoting as he spoke to the people of, of Athens uh, as we've already mentioned so God's plan is for the earth to be like heaven is now in that it will be a place where God's will is always done thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven but the problem is mankind in general well doesn't really want to do God's will in fact they increasingly dismiss God altogether and put man at the centre of everything as if man were the master of his own destiny when it's God who is really at the centre of everything he is the creator and the sustainer of all life the one who holds everything in being by his incredible power and his unsearchable wisdom there are however some people who really are seeking for God and God is calling to them through the preaching of the gospel and it's referred to as the call of the gospel calling them to be with him to share in the glories of that future kingdom that God is going to bring about when he cleanses and when he beautifies the earth and he restores it to the garden of Eden well come to Matthew chapter 7 please in the main men and women do not seek for God not with their whole heart not in an earnest sort of a way and we can say this because of a comment by Jesus here in Matthew chapter 7 uh, and it's in verse 13 where he says enter ye in at the straight or, or narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life and few there be that find it so two ways man's way, a broad way, an easy way, a popular way most people go that way but tragically it leads to destruction 
The other way, God's way, is a narrow way. It's a more difficult way. And notice it, it says there, few there be that find it. Few there be that even find it. But for those that do find it, well, it leads to life, eternal life, in the kingdom of God on the earth. You needn't turn to it, but in Jeremiah 29, God says through the prophet Jeremiah, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye search for me with all your heart. So although God wants all men and women to be saved, the sad expectation is that the vast majority of people will show little interest in wanting to seek God and to follow his righteous ways of living as taught in the Bible. And as each generation passes, awareness of God's righteousness is not taught as it once was because people aren't reading the Bible, aren't being taught the, the Bible. Uh, and so God's word is diminished in the eyes of the people, that awareness of God's righteousness. And this is partly because Bible teaching is being, well, it's being sidelined, really. <clears throat> it's not, as we say, being taught as it once was. And therefore people are, are unaware of the warnings that a day of judgment is coming. But as we read, God has appointed a day when he will send Jesus Christ back to judge the world. And his judgment is going to be based on righteousness. Righteousness being true justice, truthfulness, and what's ethically right. So the message, way back then and now, is one of calling people to repentance before the day of judgment comes. Otherwise, well, we're going to be caught up in those coming judgments, like a bird suddenly caught in a snare, unaware, until it's too late. So there is a need for repentance, which means to change the direction of our lives, to turn to God, to reform our lives now, according to the principles that God has given us in his word, while we still have the opportunity. Well, come over to Mark chapter 1, please. Yes, we've, we've seen that there is a need to repent or to, to change the direction of our lives. But look at verse 14. <clears throat> now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent ye and believe the gospel so here we are instructed not only to repent but to believe the gospel the gospel of course is the good news about the coming kingdom of God in the earth and for those who believe it it really is good news because it's about great blessings that God is going to bring to pass in the earth and those blessings will include things like true peace, healthy lives free from pain and sorrow, long life, people living hundreds of years, no war, nations will not learn war anymore, 
there will be true worship and there will be an emphasis on moral teaching and education disease and death will diminish and eventually death itself will be eliminated completely well come over to John chapter 3 please we've we've considered the importance of repenting and believing what God has said but there's something else there's something else that's needed and we find it uh, here in Jesus' discussion with a man called Nicodemus. Uh, it's in verse 2. Nicodemus, the same, came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Well, come on to Romans chapter 6. So, We've just read Jesus' words that we have to be born again in some way or there's no possibility of us entering the kingdom of God. Being born again is a twofold process. We have to be born of water and of the Spirit as we, as we just read. Being born of water is baptism. And here in Romans 6, and if we look at verse 3, it says, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. So baptism is a burial in water, a symbolic death. But it's also a symbolic resurrection from death. As a person comes out of the water as if it were another new birth a new beginning and the verse goes on like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we should walk in newness of life so a new life a new birth from water a new beginning come to John chapter 6 please being born of the Spirit is something that comes about by the Word of God having an impact on our mind, on our thinking, on our decision-making, on our behaviour, on our morality. So John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickens or makes alive. It's the Spirit that makes alive. So there's a birth here, isn't there? And making alive, it's by the Spirit. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So the words of Jesus are life-giving, if we take them seriously and sincerely. And make the words that Jesus spoke, the principles by which we live our lives now 
That's being born of the Spirit. Come over to 1 Peter chapter 1, right toward the end of the New Testament. First Epistle of Peter chapter 1. The words of Jesus Christ then, as we read, are life-giving when acted upon in our individual lives. It's the, the spiritual things that really matter. The spiritual things, they're the things that really matter rather than the physical things, you know, the natural things. Because the natural things are, well, they're temporary. They're going to come to an end. But the spiritual things, they're eternal. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, that is to say the natural, the perishable, the physical nature, but of incorruptible, something that won't perish, won't corrupt, won't grow old, won't die. And it comes about by the word of God. That's what it says, isn't it? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So obviously, we've got to get to know the Bible. We've got to read it. We've got to make some effort to apply its teaching, its power in our lives. It's not going to just happen. We, we have to make some effort. Well, come over to Mark 16, please. <clears throat> this is where Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples and he's sending them out he's sending them out to preach <clears throat> and if we look at verse 16 and Jesus said unto them go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned. We'll come on to the first epistle of John and chapter 2. So we have to be baptised into Jesus Christ in order to associate ourselves with him and his righteousness. That's the point really. He was righteous in God's sight because he didn't sin. He always did the will of his Father. We don't. We sin. And therefore we're not righteous in God's sight, naturally speaking. But God has provided a way for us to be accounted righteous by providing his Son, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so our sins can be covered by his righteousness if if we are baptised into him and thereby become part of him his body as it were in fact in Ephesians it speaks about the believers being the body of the church uh, Jesus is the head of the body the believers are the body, the church well in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 it says there my little children these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, who is Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation or, or the covering, that's all it means, for our sins. 
and not for ours only but for the, also for the sins of the whole world for everyone come to Luke chapter 3 please so we have to repent number one we have to believe the gospel number two and we have to be baptised number three but there's something else that's needed when John the Baptist was preaching lots and lots of people came to, to hear him and to be baptised <laughs> by him but John warns the people that they had to be sincere in their repentance some of them thought that well if they were just baptised that would be okay that would be enough but look at verse 7 then said John to the multitude that came forth to be baptised by him O generation of vipers who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come so it's pretty strong language isn't it the wrath to come are the judgments that are coming on the world the judgments that are going to come on this world so he says to them you've got to bring forth fruits worthy of repentance in other words show your repentance by how you've changed to a godly way of, of living and behaving and begin the verse goes on begin not to say within yourselves we have Abraham to our father so don't say oh, oh we'll be okay uh, because we're the descendants of Abraham we're, you know, we're special people we'll be alright and the verse goes on from John I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham come over to Luke chapter 14 please so what John the Baptist has just said then about bringing forth fruits worthy of repentance is really about a person's attitude there has to be some humility in approaching and responding to the gospel of God so Luke 14 and verse 11 for whosoever exalts himself shall be abased so if we if we puff ourselves up if we think you know too much of ourselves then we're going to be brought down and the verse goes on and he that humbles himself shall be exalted when Jesus Christ comes back and rewards the faithful with everlasting life then those that have humbled themselves will be exalted come on to Luke chapter 18 please God does not like arrogance or pride in people. Look at verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a publican or a, or a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week I give tithes of all that I possess and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven but smote upon his breast saying God be merciful to me a sinner 
Jesus said, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. And he that humbles himself shall be exalted. <clears throat> Don't turn to it, but in Isaiah 66, it, it says there, or God says through the prophet, to this man will I look, even to him that is humble and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. So we've got to have the right humble approach to God and to his word then clearly and there must be an acknowledgement of our need as sinners that we have fallen short of God's standards and so recognize our need for forgiveness there also needs to be an understanding of the responsibilities of following Jesus Christ what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What does it require of me? What am I expected to do as a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, just come over to Acts chapter 8, please. <clears throat> Repentance must come before baptism. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. But when the people believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. That's as a result of what they now believed. So there has to be an understanding of the gospel and then a belief in it, as well as an acknowledgement of our need for salvation from sin and death and a repentant attitude. And then and only then, baptism in the full knowledge of what we are willingly and freely choosing to commit ourselves to it's for willing volunteers really isn't it so to sum up then God has a plan for the earth he wants men and women to join him and to share in the blessings that he has in store and there is a time frame we read that God has appointed a day when he will judge the world by sending Jesus Christ to bring an end to the present, the present order of things by judgments on the nations. Judgments are going to come on the nations and to establish the kingdom of God in the earth. The gospel is the way that God is is calling people to join him and his son. And as we said, he's looking for willing-hearted volunteers, individuals, just a few here and a few there, because it's not a popular way, as we read earlier. Those individuals who are genuinely seeking him and who have a respect for his word. We'd we'll like to finish in Malachi chapter 4 last book of the Old Testament Jesus said the scriptures cannot be broken the scriptures cannot be broken he always relied on the word of God and he expects those who would follow Jesus to do the same but 
time is short. The day of judgment is coming. Our eternal salvation is in the balance. What are we going to do? Malachi chapter 4 speaks about two groups of people. Verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Well, that's one group. But the other group, verse 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise. Speaking of Jesus Christ. He's going to come forth. He's going to arise. Come forth with healing in his wings or, or a cure for all our ills. And ye shall go forth. Um, he will bring us forth and grow up as calves of the stall or spring about in joy. A lovely picture there of, of deliverance. So, two groups. Which one we are in is going to depend on the choices that we as individuals make now in our lives. God is holding out his hand to us. Are we willing to take it? We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org. Dot uk. Mm-hmm.